Uh, would you join me in a word of prayer as we ask the Lord to make clear his word to us? Lord God, we just simply ask of you this morning to show us your truth in your word. And I ask that you would not only just show it and reveal it, but give us a fire and a burden in our hearts that we would walk out and make a change in our lives to do something about it in a way that's impactful, long-term, and transforming. And as we talk about you and your word, demystify this text that it's not just merely a quote-unquote holy book. It is the living word to us from a living God. And that we are blessed by seeking you and finding you in it, in the pages that are written. We thank you so much for who you are. We pray these things in your most holy name. Amen. Uh, today we'll be doing a three-week series on the Word of God. Um, today I'm just going to introduce it. Next week uh, we're going to do a challenge. And my bet is that within 20 minutes next week, you will memorize all 39 books of Old Testament before you go out. I, it's a challenge. I, I feel... 80% confident of it. <laughs> uh, but the Bible is, is this book that's written over 1,500 year time by 40 authors. It has 66 books total, broken up into the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament has 39 books. And when you look at that, you're like, oh, that's a lot of books. But when you realize that they're broken up into chunks, they're not written chronologically, like chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, but it's written by the books of the law, history, books of poetry, and then prophets. It makes a little more sense. And you start realizing that God's message for me comes in different genres, and it makes sense when you see it as a whole. And so I want to talk about this in the next couple of weeks. So today, I just want to share, just right punch it hard in the gut that we are dead as Christians in our strength of faith and life without the Word of God. And I'm going to touch upon it and make fun of it a little bit, but we, we are this generation that looks at Facebook and sees one nice quote and say, oh, that's good. I got my feeding of the day. But that's like saying, I'm hungry, and someone gives you one French fry, and you say, that was good. I'm done for a week. Thank you for your fry. God wants us to be dependent on his word, not just snippets and sound bites and like a little poem. It's his depth of his word. So um, I want to read from Psalm 119, and i like for us to read it together in alternating verses. And uh, I keep saying that, but this time I'm going to hold to it. I'll read one, you read one. Here we go. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I have hidden your word in my heart 
that I might not sin against you. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Amen. You know, um, we've been in a drought for forever. And have you noticed with the recent rains driving on 57, 91, uh, on 5, have you seen the difference? What have you seen? Green. What was before it? This brown, dead mountainside. And you just are stunned because it just looks like dirt. And then a few rain, drops of rain, the whole hillside transforms into this green hillside. Was, were the plants dead? No. They were just dormant. They were just weeded out. They were just burnt up, but they were still there. And I feel like our faith is sometimes like that. Your Christian faith, it's never, once you're saved in Christ, you can't ever lose that. It's a gift. When you confess and accept Christ and trust in him, you're saved and redeemed. You can't lose that, but your faith can shrivel up. It's there, but it's just dried out patch. And so some of us young people come up to me, old people too. You know, Pastor Jason, my faith is so weak. My faith is so dry. I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian anymore. So one of the questions I ask is, how is your time with the Lord? Are you reading the Bible? No. And so that's like, I'm not making fun of them, but that's like, you heard these stories, some person buys a brand new car after three years, they're like, something's wrong with my brand new car. True story, two occasions. Well, are you putting gas in it? Yeah. Is everything okay? Um, when's the last oil change? What's an oil change? Three years without an oil change. Brand new car. Uh, Boy Scouts. What that does is it makes the engine just sluggish and just kills it. Pistons fried. Oh, it's fire and all this stuff. So it's like when you try to see, assess your health of your Christian life and there is no area or room because you're so busy for the word of God, there is a correlation there. And so there's a verse that, that Ephesians, it says, the word of God, just like the rain to the hillside of our mountain, the word of God is like water to us. The, Paul writes this, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. It's this imagery that the word of God washes us, makes us holy, purifies us, continues to transform us. It's not sermons. It's the word of God. And so Psalm writes, a little bit better like this. The psalmist writes this in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but rather he or she is the one who delights in the law of the Lord and who meditates on it day and night. That person is like a what? Can you read it? Which yields his fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Don't raise your hand, but can you ask yourself this question? If I was a picture of a tree, would I be in the middle of a desert, dried up, with just crows hanging on it, or am I a fresh, lush tree next to a thriving river, bearing a lot of fruit? And that matters, because you are the light of this world from God. You represent the eternal God, the hope of glory to the world that needs truth. And if you go up to people like, 
hey, be a Christian is cool. Like shriveled up, they're going to be like, ugh, you need help. Get away from me. We are to represent life, abundant life, joy, fervency, faith, a belief in a God that when the world falls apart, we could say this is hard, but I am not going to budge because my faith is not in my money, my, the powers, my world. It's in Jesus Christ. And so this is why the Bible is saying we are blessed when we hold, stay hold close to the word of God. So um, a couple of things I want to just share is like there's a correlation in Psalm 119 from verse 1 through 8. There's a few correlations. And when we look at the correlation between the first nine verses, there's a direct correlation that the way your life goes is directly correlated to the way your life walks with the word of God. That's to say, show me a person whose faith is vibrant and they're making differences. They're, they're living like Jesus. There's this joy about them. They don't get shaken. They are difference makers. And you, I'll show you that person has a secret connection with God and his word. Again, that's not just to say if someone reads the Bible 24-7, they're good people. But someone who walks with God digs into the word and says, God, I want to live like you. That person is someone whose life is blessed. So there's a couple of correlations. First one, blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. And commentaries all say the same thing. The blessedness of your life is directly correlated to your desire to follow God and his word. Not a religion, not a pastor, not a denomination, but God through the word of God. And so verse 6, then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I love that verse because this one you could raise your hand. How many of you could look back in your life and say, boy, I got some crazy, shameful, embarrassing, regret moments in my life? Now just, I raised two hands on my leg, man. I got tons. <laughs> and, and I wonder if those moments that my mind and heart was just saturated with the word of God, with godly men and people, would I have made those same foolish decisions? Nine out of ten times, I think I would have not. I would have avoided them. I learned God showed me his grace. He brought me out and made me wiser. But he's saying, when I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. There is a consequence. And God is not trying to make us religious freaks with rules. He's trying to love us and show us that he matters. By the way, just a little fun trivia. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, before they found out about microbiology and germs and pathogens, uh, God's law says, don't touch a dead body. Walk around from it. They're dead. They're, they're you know, sick. The, part of the reasoning is because rigor mortis sets in and then there's germs and bacteria. You know, when he says, wash your hands before you eat, it's a holy thing to the Lord. He's saying, wash your hands. What do your parents tell you when you sneeze? Just go rub it on your pants and pretend no one saw you. No, go wash your hands. And so there's this correlation. It's incredible. A little, another fun fact. Before, before Galileo discovered that the earth was round, Isaiah, which was written a couple hundred years before, says this. God, you sit above in a throne encircling the earth. Where did you even get that idea that the earth is round? A couple hundred years before Galileo discovered it. Isaiah knows the heart of God and is seeing this. Verse 9, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. 
By the way, we can't say, you know, just, hey, if it's love, do whatever feels right. <laughs> That's like the worst advice we could give. We want to say, hey, God loves you. He has the best for you. Trust him. Follow his word, and you will build character strength. And so there's this correlation that we see. And so I want to share with you a couple of these things. But before I do that, let's hit some of the hard things right now. Uh, some of us say, I have an objection, though, about the Bible. And I want to address this really quick. So one of the objections is, um, you know, have you read the Bible? There's so much violence in it. Someone in our church family said this, I don't go to, my daughter doesn't go to church because she's disturbed by what God did to the Egyptians when he cast them into the Red Sea and the river covered up. Glad Israel got away, but all these people died. But if you look at the context and you step back, right? It sounds like God is pretty mean. But if you take a step back, what is going on? For 600 years, God blessed Egypt. The biggest nation to be blessed by God through a Hebrew boy named Joseph. There's going to be a famine for seven years. I'm going to use you, Egypt, and bless you. So he thrived them. And they built crops, and they persevered under famine. God loved them and blessed them. And then they turned away to their own gods, and they treated Israel with cruelty. Do you remember, like I like to say to the daughter, do you remember the part where the Egyptians threw babies into the Nile? Do you know what's in the Nile? Some wise guys like, water? Water. And these things called crocodiles, so that these babies would die. And God, who's a good God, doesn't go, well, I'm not going to touch them. They meant well. You know, I would not worship a God like that. A holy God says there is right and wrong. He is the ultimate good, and he comes in. He judges, by the way, un he judges Jews, Christians, because we're all sinners. And because of that, he comes to us with grace and his son. So, so have you read the violence? When people say, like, Bible's violence, there's a story, there's a history. We live in a fallen world. We're all broken people. So two, Bible has stuff that makes me feel bad or my friends feel bad. That's the number one reason these days why young people don't like the Bible. Barna research. Why do you not go to church? Why do you not like the Bible? There's stuff in it. I respect it, but it makes me feel bad. And so here's how I would respond to you. Ready? If you're a human being, raise your hand. There is nothing in the Bible that makes you believe you are doing great just the way you are. It does say, despite the way you are, God loves you the way you are. But it does not say God is pleased with every single one of us the way we are. That's called sin. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. And so when we look at the Bible, it is going to be uncomfortable, just like me going to a doctor. And he says, you know, puts his glove on, or he says, let me show you an x-ray. Oh! I want him to say beautiful things like, Jason, your cholesterol is like two. Your body fat's like three. I don't want him to say, like, your cholesterol is like 800. You know, and your, your, your arteries are like 90% clogged. Have a good day. You know, just... He has to tell us the uncomfortable truth. And the Bible sometimes is a mirror to our hearts that we need a Savior. So, go back to Psalm 119. This is why the Word of God has these implications for us. So, this last thing, verse 9, I want to hinge that. It's like a question they're asking. How can a young person, old person, all people stay pure? What's the answer? 
by living according to your word. And so the question I want to answer today is this. What does it mean to live according to your word? And I think he answers it, verse 10 through 16. Um, now, for participation, can you guys now grab that Bible in your pew? Just grab it. I'm going to make it kinetic. And for those of you who don't know where Psalm 19 is, it's okay. There's this wonderful thing called page numbers. And if you go to page 607, page 607, there's a little bold on that page, top says Psalm 119, and see those weird symbols, Aleph, Beth, Gimel, Daleth? That's actually the Hebrew alphabet all throughout Psalm 119. The whole Hebrew alphabet is inside Psalm 119. So if you want to learn a different language, there it is. It's right inside your Bible. So, verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? And so, it's as if for the next six verses, he's showing us what it looks like to live according to your word. For example, it's not go to church and listen to a nice sermon once a month. You're living according to the word. It's not download 20 podcasts of the best preachers. That's good. It actually helps. But there's got to be more than that. And so it's not have five Bibles and keep it in your stack and just show everyone how beautiful your Bibles are. It's read it. It's treasure it. So what does it mean? Let's break it down. Verse 10. You ready? Can you read it together in your Bible? Ready? Here we go. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. First thing, living according to your word. I'm seeking God by going to the Bible. Bible is not a, just a book that you're reading. You're saying, God, when I open this up, show me you in these pages. Show me that you're speaking to me. I'm seeking you. So it's like a letter, right? So um, my wife wrote me a letter in college once. Um, and so, so she wrote me a letter, and I bring it to church, and Lewis is like, oh, Pastor Jason, what a beautiful letter and walks away. How would you feel about Lewis? If he wasn't big, I should take him down. <laughs> what if your grandmother wrote a last letter to you and then somebody comes in and be like, piece of junk, and rips it in front of you? How would that make you feel? <laughs> Why would you... <laughs> Hey, you're speaking truth. That's, amen. She said I would do some PG-13 on her. And so when, why would you be so offended? Because that letter represents the person. The letter represents the person in that moment. The Word of God represents God. That's why it's holy. It's not holy because it's made out of nice paper. It's holy because it comes from God who loves us. It represents God. And when we seek God in his word, we find him. So verse 10, it says, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Have you done that? Do you guys every day say, God, I want to find you? Don't tell people I don't think God exists when you're not even looking for him. One of the things that my wife gets annoyed at me with is I'm like, honey, I can't find my keys. Have you looked? Of course I looked. And then what does she always say? 
is right here on top of the whole open table. Did you look? No. <laughs> it's like a man thing or something. So we seek, verse 11, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Living according to your word, we just showed you in the basketball illustration. Don't just read it. Is it entrenched? Are you meditating on it? Have you memorized it? Have you soaked it in the meaning of it? Or is it one of those things where that was a great sermon. Now let's go do my thing. But have you soaked in the word of God in your own way and let it be part of your whole mindset? By the way, your heart, we're going to talk about this next week, but your heart is the decision-making point of your life. You know, Proverbs 7, it says, guard your heart for it is a wellspring of life. And when we feed our hearts, it helps us to make the decisions in the future. So if you're feeding your heart with Netflix, if you're feeding your heart with like just rated R and just, just junk, when that moment of truth comes and you have to make a decision, what kind of decision are you going to make? But if you're feeding your heart with God's righteousness and things that strengthen your character and faith, when the times come to make decisions, guess what happens? You will, surprise, surprise, make decisions that honor God and that bless you. It's not easy, but it does that. So verse 12, uh, it says this, Praise to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. What's the psalmist saying? It's being a learner. Can you say learner? Teach me your decrees. Don't just tell me your decrees. Teach me. Show me. Help me to learn from you. Oh, there it is. Teach me what your word says. We lack humility in the church because this is what I see. People go like, that was a good sermon. It's all right. A little too long. Could have been better. That was a good sermon. Made me feel good. When did you become a Bible scholar? Like, how? When did you know what the difference is? You should critique it in the sense of, is the pastor preaching the word of God? But could we have the humility to say, even in the worst preachers, God, teach me something about you through your word. Amen? That's how I survived here eight years, folks. So, so, so <laughs> verse 13, with my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. This, what is he saying, verse 13? I recount, I relay. I don't just hear it and listen to it. I also speak it, sharing the word of God. Hey, my favorite verse, do you guys know Philippians 2, 3, 4, and 5? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. When you say that, it ingrains. Uh, there's a study that showed 10% of what you hear, you retain. 20% of what you see, you retain. Like 30% of what you read, you retain. But like 50 to 70% of what you teach, collaborate, and speak, you retain. Isn't that cool? So some of you have to become teachers. I'm serious. To children or youth, you got to study and teach lessons. That's how you keep growing. And so I will recount all the laws that come from your mouth. And 14, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. 14, this is what it looks like. Jesus is telling me to love my enemy. What a great sermon because I have enemies. Great. Do you rejoice in following that statute? Don't say it's a nice message. It touched me. Here's what living according to your word means. When you walk out the doors, would you say, God, help me to follow it? 
today. Don't just say, oh, I need to open the Bible. It's good. That's a nice Bible over there. Go home, have a step, baby step action, and say, I'm going to take the Bible, put it next to my bed, I'm going to throw my iPhone very carefully, and then put the Bible first and say, this will be my bookends of the day, in the morning and in the evening. And we'll talk about that at the very end. And then verse 15, uh, 15, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. What is that saying? I study the word and I'm thinking about it. And I'm saying, what is this showing me about God? I, I heard it this way. This is kind of funny. If, if you want to know me, right? Lewis is like, hey, honey, to his wife. There's his pastor, Jason. He's weird. <laughs> He's really strange. Go into your closet, honey, and just kind of meditate on who he is. Can she find out who I am by just coming up with stuff on her own? And says, Lewis, Jason is this. He's six foot two. He, he's really cool. No, like, the point of this is this. You can't know a person just by making things up. We do that with God. Who is God to you? Well, God to me, he's angry. I don't know. He doesn't like me. Where do you get that from? I just know. Where do you come up with that? How about this? Before you judge God, why don't you turn to the word and see what God shows about himself? And I will tell you as a pastor, I don't need to defend God from Genesis to Revelation. Everything. There's nothing I will defend him on because when you see the whole word of God as a picture, you realize he is awesome, worthy, loving for the just and unjust. He is for us. He is a holy God reigning supreme, but I see why he had to bring us back this way, and he loves don't judge God based on your own thoughts. Consider his ways as you, after you meditate on his word. Lastly, I will not ignore your word. I will not neglect your word. Meditating on God, knowing his word is this. If you've been a Christian for years and the proportion of your life reading the Bible is like one one-hundredth and your church work is like 90% of it, I have a question for you. What are you giving to children and to people when you haven't even received the blessing and the truth of God? I'll, I'll, let me be crass. I got three kids. I would love to say half of this church I could entrust my three kids to and they could learn the word of God by the way they live, the way they read, the way they do that. That would be the goal. But if you say, I've been a Presbyterian for 50 years, <laughs> but if someone can't entrust their children to you to teach them faith in a real way because of your humility, the fruit of the Spirit, your understanding, we have a long way to go. And so I'm not condemning us, but I'm saying let's be honest and say let's grow. Let's be that tree planted by the water as we open up this and say let's start. So here's some practical steps and then we're done. Three minutes. Where do I start? Oh, there it is. So we're <laughs> start I, I, let me encourage you, just, this is like a basic way, but if you haven't done it, if you're doing it, great. This is not the only way. I just want to give you practical things. Start with one book in the Bible, one chapter a day. That's it. I recommend Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Just one chapter. And so when you take a moment, 10 minutes a day, it could be in the library, it could be early morning, it could be at night, wherever you're not distracted, just say, first thing is pray. Say, God, 
talk to me through your word. I want to find you. I want to seek your face. And then you read it. If it's short, read it twice. If it's long, just read it, underline. Yeah, write in your Bibles. Ooh, the pastor said write in the Bibles. Get your Bible, write in it. Don't doodle, write in it. Anyway, write, read through the chapter and section. Underline things that you don't make sense. Highlight the words that stick out to you. And then ask these questions to yourself. What is going on here? What does it say? Jesus fed 5,000. Wow, he fed 5,000. What does it mean? God cares about the hungry. God is able to do miracles. What I struggle with, he cares about. Even as small as my hunger, he is good. What does God desire of me? He cares about the hungry. He wants me to trust him, but also to care about the hungry. What do I do? What is it asking me to do? Today, Lord, open my eyes to the hungry. That could be you. You're done. Ten minutes. But if you do this 365 days a year, how many times would you do it in a year? That was a dumb question. That was meant to be. That was the point of it. 365 times a year. And so, you ask the Holy Spirit to say, Lord, help me to live this out. And John 15, 5, that P.S. preaching in the children's youth message is this. Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me and my truth, my law, you can do nothing. Church, what would it look like if we, for 10, 15 minutes a day, sought God in his word? Do you think your life will stay the same? Do you think your faith will be shriveled up? I want to see a church that is so boldly filled with the Holy Spirit, with the word of God, that you're confident that the world may not be clear but your sight of God and in this world is clear. Let's take that challenge. And I'm going to ask, this is like kind of Baptist churchy, but how many of you will say this week, Lord, help me to start this Bible seeking your face challenge? Just no shame. Don't do it because your pastor's looking at me. But I want you to do it because I want you to make a conscious effort and acknowledgement, not for shame factor, but to say, I want to dig into the word of God and to grow in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together. May you be glorified. May we be people who live according to your word and your truth. May we remember that the way to you is not something we accomplish, but it's something we receive by grace through your son, Jesus Christ, when he died and rose. But in your family, walking with you daily, becoming like you, it is a journey that begins with seeking you and your word. Lord, would you help it become a joy and a blessing for these friends and mine, young and old. May they find you in your word. May they blow the dust of the Bible. Would they be cherishing your word and delighting to obey it? counting on your promises that you are not something who, someone who sits afar, but you're with us and you guide us and you speak to us. Lord, these things we pray in the one who is the living word, Jesus Christ.